0: This one goes out to moms. On behalf of all the kids in the world, here are two things every mom needs to know. Number one, put down your phone. Unless your kid is named phone. Number two, don't name your kid phone. That's just not right. That's messed up. Number three, we love you. It's just sometimes we don't know how to say it. Sometimes it just comes out screaming or crying. But the next time your kid screams, you know what they're really saying is, I love you, Mom. You're beautiful. Thank you for not naming me phone. <laughs> Four, stop cleaning. Our house isn't messy. Our house is awesome. It's awesome because we live in it. My mom got stuff to do. Number five, Mom upside down is wow. Doesn't really mean anything, but I just thought it was really cool. Wow, it should be like this. Wow,
1: wow, wow, wow.
0: Number six. While I have you here, I want to take a second and talk about meatloaf. Meatloaf is like a loaf of bread, but it's meat. Mom, we love you, but let's cool it on the meatloaf. Number seven. Thank you for cleaning up all the poop. Number eight. Have fun for once. We love to see you have fun. Dance in the grocery store. Oh, I found all this stuff. Or sing in the middle of a driveway. Oh, it'll feel great. And it'll scare your kids so much they'll be quiet. Number nine. Hug more, shout less. Look, I get it, I get it. Sometimes we do something wrong. But growing up is scary. There's school, there's tests, there's telling times with clocks that have hands, there's time your shoes, and kilograms and kilograms.
2: Kilograms?
0: I don't know, it's hard, but that's why I go to school. It's just hard to grow up. Sometimes we just need moms. Moms to tell us everything's okay. Number 10, the secret to changing the world. Moms. Without moms, none of us will be here. Moms, kids love you, 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 and you. If every mom in the world knew how awesome they were, every problem in the world would be fixed. From kids everywhere, thanks for believing in us, putting up with us, and straight up loving us. Mom, you keep us dancing.
2: Like that little guy, huh? I wonder what he's going to be when he grows up. Yeah. Well, welcome this morning. Happy Mother's Day. We're glad that you're here. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from an off-site campus or uh, in the warehouse or the chapel. Uh, we're glad that you guys uh, are along, uh, too. So uh, today, let me just tell you that uh, there were two blog posts that I read this week that influenced how I'm gonna communicate and what I'm gonna talk about today. The first one was a post that was by Michael Hyatt, who has a leadership blog, and uh, he I I think the title of it was The Impact of of Words. And he told a story that sounded like it could have been any of our stories. Uh, He said that about halfway through the ninth grade year, His parents moved, and that's an awkward time anyway. And he describes an incredibly awkward moment, the first time in the new school cafeteria. Uh, He's got his food, he's got his tray, and he is trying to figure out, where where do I sit? I don't know anybody. You can kind of imagine that. So he sits down at a table with some kids. They start snickering at him a little bit, and he thinks this is going to be uncomfortable. And finally, one of the guys says, man... Have you got a big nose? He said he tried to act like it didn't bother him, but obviously it did. Now, that wasn't the first time he noticed that he had a larger, you know, nose. But he said at that point, every time he'd go home and he'd look in the mirror, he said uh, he began to see himself as merely a life support system for a nose. (laughs) And he said it took him 20 years to work through those words. He said even to this day, uh, he's a little sensitive about it. Well, when I read that, I thought we've all got one of those stories. Somebody said something about you or to you or in front of other people concerning you. It may not have been your nose, but it could have been your body shape, your weight. could have been your height. I I, I don't know how many times people said something about my height over the years. You know, you just finally, you know, take it in one ear and out the other. Could have been your complexion, your speech, your achievements or lack of the same. And especially uh, as you were younger, you probably secretly recited or maybe publicly, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you know that's baloney? Okay? And you knew it was. And you wanted to say something like this. If I give you a nice big straw, will you go suck the fun out of somebody else's day? That's for you, you can write that down if you need something to say. (laughs) But the truth is this, your words matter, right? Your words matter. In fact, Solomon, uh, wisest man who ever lived, wrote it this way in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and death. Every day when we speak, we have the power Of life and death in fact every day we are shaping reality for someone by the words that we use with them and we have a responsibility to make those words count now we're in a series in fact we're just completing it uh, that we called white flag and the basic premise of the series is that there are some things that we need to raise a white flag to that we're not going to do anymore in fact, it, um, we're studying some scriptures in the middle of Ephesians chapter 4, and, and the whole context is Paul says, I want the church to be in unity. When the church is in unity, it's an incredibly powerful thing. But when it's not, it's worthless. In fact, it can do more damage than good. He said, uh, we live in a separate kingdom, you know, we're, we're in the kingdom of God. And when you live in the kingdom, the citizens have certain ways that they They relate to one another and he said what you need to do is you need to uh, quit doing certain things, put off the old man and put on the new man who is recreated in Christ Jesus and so uh, in this series we've talked about how we don't lie to each other. We put off lying and uh, when we get angry we, we, uh, we don't sin in our anger against one another and last week we talked about the fact that we quit stealing, we don't steal anymore and this week Uh, The scripture is Ephesians 4.29, and it's on your outline sheet. Would you take a look at that? And uh, let's read it out loud here and in the campuses, wherever you happen to be. Let's read this one out loud, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. He says there's a zero-tolerance policy on corrupt communication, on unwholesome talk. What is unwholesome talk? It's foul and abusive. It's uh, things that don't build up. It's things that tear down. It's put-downs rather than lift-ups, okay? He says you've got to wave a white flag on all that. No more, no more, no more, no more. We don't do that in the kingdom of God. We don't put people down. We lift them up. We, in fact, we only use helpful words, words that will benefit those who listen. We speak them according to their needs, not according to what I need to get off my chest. Okay. And he says, that's the communication in the kingdom of God. Now, before I tell you about the second blog post that really triggered some thoughts, let's just uh, hang out there for just a minute. What does it mean... How do you recognize helpful words? And I'm going to give you a little acrostic. It's used it many times here, and you've seen it in other places, I'm sure. But it's been helpful to me because I need this. This is a message that probably if nobody else heard, it would be great if I heard. uh, Because uh, this is probably one of the biggest challenges for me is to control my tongue. And some of you may very well have the same issue. In fact, why don't you look at the person next to you and... Fess up and say, I have that issue. Would you do that? Say, Greg's not the only one. I have that issue. Okay. All right, good. So, what are helpful words? Don't ask for dates and stuff like that. This is the wrong time in the message to do that. Not on Mother's Day. Okay? All right. What are helpful words? T. Think, 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 think before you speak. Think before you speak. T. Words that are true. We're we'll only speak words that are true. Not that you think are true, not that you have an opinion about. Have you have opinions? Everybody has an opinion. You know the saying about that. I'll leave that alone. But have uh, you know there's a difference between truth and opinion, okay? And other people don't need our opinion; they need the truth. So it's true, true. The second one is H, helpful, helpful. Now some things might be true, but they're not helpful. In fact, I may indeed have a zit on my nose today. How helpful is it pointing that out, okay? How helpful is that? I know, we know, okay? So there are some things that are true, but they're not helpful. Um, I, inspiring. They need to be true, helpful, and inspiring. Um, Is what I'm gonna say, what I'm about to say to you, what you're about to say to the person around you or in the conversation, is this going to, Lift them up or tear them down? Is this going to inspire them? Are they going to walk away from this conversation just pumped up, inspired? Or are they going to feel like somebody let let the wind out of their sails? Okay. So we need to be inspiring. True, helpful, inspiring. In is necessary. Is what I'm going to say necessary? Now, necessary has a lot to do with timing. Okay. Have you know that the right words at the wrong time can be almost as damaging as wrong words. So you got to get the timing right. You need to know when and if I ought to speak these words. And then K is kind. Kind. Is this the loving, helpful, kind thing to say? And if it's not, he says in Ephesians 4.29, don't do it. Not most of the time. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only that which is helpful for building others up. What's helpful? Things that are true, things that are helpful, things that are inspiring, things that are necessary, and things that are kind. That's what it ought to be like in the kingdom of God. Now, honestly, sometimes we try to do our best and we still get it wrong. Are there any testimonies on that? Okay, so let's go to the second blog post. Here's how that one came about. So this, so, so I'm getting ready for Mother's Day. I've got to speak on Mother's Day. It's we'll we'll go back to last Sunday evening. I'm tired into the day, spoken at church, did some things in the afternoon. So I'm, I'm just exhausted. And Debbie knows that the next morning, Monday morning, I'm going to start tracking toward Mother's Day and speaking Mother's Day. She also knows this. It's the toughest message that I have to preach all year. It's Mother's Day. I've been doing it for 25 years. Some of you don't understand that. Mother's Day is a minefield of emotions and all kinds of things. And when I first started, I didn't have a clue. Hello, my name is Clueless, okay? Really didn't. And then I began to do Mother's Day messages and then got very many uh, helpful emails on... Where I had missed it, blown it, my words were um, more harmful than good, th- this type of thing. And I'd like to say they were wrong, but they probably weren't. I just didn't have any idea. So with that in mind, Debbie, you know what I'm getting into this this week? She said, uh, I want you to read a blog post. This was last Sunday night. I said, I'm too tired to read a blog post. Because she is on Facebook, you know, she does that stuff. I go on Facebook to, sell, to say the wonderful things that everybody else needs to hear. She goes on to actually see what other people's going on in their lives, that type of thing. You understand that. That was supposed to be funny, but it's true. <laughs> she said, here's a blog post from a young lady in our church. You need to read it. It will help you. I said, well, I'm too tired. She said, you need to read it. I'm clueless, but not that clueless. Okay, so I sat down and I began to read this blog post, and so I'll I'll read a little bit of it. Um, It's called An Open Letter to Pastors from A Non-Mom Speaks About Mother's Day by Amy Young. It says, Dear Pastor, tone can be tricky in writing. Picture me popping my head in your office door, smiling and asking if we could talk for five minutes. I'm sipping on my Diet Coke as I sit down. You know that I'm not one to shy away from speaking my mind, part of the reason that you love me, uh, mostly. So I'm guessing that internally, you brace yourself wondering what might be next. I set my can down and this is what I'd say. A few years ago, I sat across from a woman who told me that she doesn't go to church on Mother's Day because it's too hurtful. I'm not a mother, but I've never seen the day as hurtful. She had been married, had numerous miscarriages, divorced, and was way beyond childbearing years. It was like salt in a mostly healed wound to go to church on that day. This made me sad, but I understood. Fast forward several years to Mother's Day. A pastor asked all the mothers to stand. On my immediate right, my mother stood, and on my immediate left, a dear friend stood, and I, a woman in her late 30s, sat. I I don't know how others saw me, but I felt dehumanized, And gutted as a woman. Real women stood, empty shells sat. I do not normally feel this way. I do not like feeling this way, and I want no woman ever to feel this way in church again. Last year, a friend from another state happened to visit on Mother's Day. And again, a pastor, a different one this time, asked all mothers to stand. As a mother, she stood, and I whispered to her, I can't take it, I'm standing. She knows I'm not a mother, and yet she understood my standing and my lie. Here's the thing. I believe we can honor mothers without alienating others. I want women to feel welcome, appreciated, seen, needed here in our little neck of the body of Christ. Well, I read that far, and I looked up at Debbie, and she looked at me. And went like this. I can't tell you the number of times I've done that. 25 years. 25 years. Trying to be helpful. It would go like this. At the end of the service, I'd like to have all the mothers stand if you would, and I'd like to pray for you. I thought I was being caring, and I was being clueless, and didn't realize that there were women who um, were needlessly exposed to some hurt in those moments, and I, and I want to apologize now. I do. I, I'll make mistakes again in the future. I'll guarantee you that. But I want to apologize for not being sensitive uh, to those things. And so so I asked Deb, so so what do we do? And so she and I devised a little plan. And uh, I asked several uh, uh, women uh, to help me this weekend in sharing their story. And in light of the scripture that we just read, that uh, any communication that we have needs to be of encouragement, I asked them, I said, I want you to share your story. And then I want you to give a word of encouragement to other women who may relate to where you are at this point in your journey. And so I'm going to take a seat for just a few minutes. I'll be back in just a few. And I'll ask some some friends to share with you uh, their story and their journey.
3: Hi, my name is Allison Weeks, and this is my story. Growing up, my dream was to marry a tall, good-looking, athletic, funny Christian guy, to be a middle school math teacher, and then to be a stay-at-home mom to some beautiful, precious children. And all of that has come true. My husband, Terry, and I have three children. Alyssa is 13, Jackson is 11, and Joshua is seven. And I love being their mother. I'm just so blessed by them. I'm so proud of them, and they are just a true gift from God to me. I'm just so blessed. Um, So I'm living my dream. I'm living my dream. But the reality of that dream is often full of busyness, exhaustion, and hard work. Every day, I chauffeur children back and forth to school, dance, soccer, more soccer, and then church activities and social activities, and then throw in swim team. I'm constantly checking my watch, counting children, and making sure nobody is left behind again. And the only thing I want to say about that is a seven-year-old on a soccer field, and 45 minutes later, I got a phone call. Not a proud mommy moment. But the reality is I also work with my husband in our business, but I never quite get everything finished at the office before school is out. The reality is there are often too many days, too many bills, and not enough paychecks. The reality is there is a never-ending to-do list. The house needs to be cleaned, the dog needs a bath, the bills need to be paid, this body needs exercise, the dirty clothes need to be washed, and the groceries need to be bought because these children will not stop eating. (laughs) The reality is I wanna spend time with my friends. I wanna go shopping. I want to sleep. The reality is I'm involved in sisterhood in a small group and I love those relationships. The reality is there are so many things that need my attention and pull on me. The reality is I want to be there for my children and my husband every day But some days I'm so exhausted and drained by this juggling act that I have nothing left to give. And I wonder who's putting into me, but none of my reality surprises God. He knew there would be times where I was exhausted, overwhelmed, and full of doubts. He doesn't expect me to be perfect. I have learned that he wants to be my energy, my source, and my love. He's waiting for me to come to Him so He can fill me up. And the amazing thing is, when I do go to Him, He shows up. He gives me what I need, whether it's peace, wisdom, discernment, energy, love, whatever it is, He gives it to me. He has been so faithful. So my story is one of loving my life and living my dream closely connected to God, seeking Him every day so my dream doesn't start feeling like a nightmare. My words of encouragement for women in my situation are to ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. In Isaiah it says that He waits for us to come to Him so He can bless us. So go to God and let Him love you and bless you. I'm Christy Gwen, and
4: this is my story. The day my daughter was born was the scariest and most amazing day in my life. I was 19 and her dad and I weren't able to make it work. I was so overwhelmed looking at my sweet little girl thinking, how am I gonna do this? But luckily I was blessed with an amazing, sweet, smart and well-behaved little girl. She's been my life partner and I'm really grateful that God gave me the honor of being her mother. Being a single parent is ridiculously hard. I spent six years trying to do it on my own and I failed miserably. The financial struggles and trying to do everything on my own were just too exhausting, and I felt used up and depressed. I came to Seacoast when Kayla was in first grade. We just felt like we were home the second we walked in the door. God used the children's ministry and one by one and the single and parenting group to completely just change who I am. I still have financial struggles. I still feel overwhelmed sometimes, but Jesus offers me a hope and peace and it gets me through my every day. God blessed me with an amazing guy who cares about me, who cares about my daughter, and most importantly, who is as in love with God as I am. I'm excited about my present and I'm excited about my future and that helps me forgive my past. My words of encouragement for women in my situation are to take the peace that Jesus offers and to know that He has a plan for you and that all these struggles are going to work together for your good.
5: Hi, my name is Janet Koenig and this is my story. About 12 years ago, my husband and I, um, along with our two-year-old daughter, we were anxiously awaiting the arrival of another child. We were um, I was in my 36th week of pregnancy and um, his heart stopped beating, and that was it. There was no second chance, there was no last minute miracle, he was stillborn. Um, The grief that followed was really nearly unbearable. To say that uh, I had a crisis of faith was uh, an understatement. It was a really difficult time and I nearly drove myself crazy just thinking of the what ifs and why God and what was I going to do with this? How was I going to go on? And about that time a friend of mine, she gave me some much needed encouragement. She said at this point you've got two choices. You can abandon everything you've known to be true about God and just say forget it. I, I can't do this anymore or you can turn to him, embrace him even further, and let him begin to heal you. And that was not an easy road, but that was the one I chose. And um, about 18 months later, um, we were uh, going to have another child. And it was then exciting, but very scary time and we um, told our little daughter that we were going to have another child and she said well is it a boy or a girl and we said well we don't know yet and she said well I think it's a girl and I think you should name her Daisy and as I prayed about that I said Lord I just I can't hear you very well right now and If that is what's written in the book of life, if that's the promise that you're giving me, please confirm it in a way that I can hear you and understand. And about within that week, a friend of mine called me and she said, "Um, I was looking through a book and do you know what the flower for the month of April is? And April's the month that we lost our son. She said, it's a daisy. And I just got chills from the Holy Spirit and he just confirmed for me that that was to be her name. And I had felt the Lord tell me, it's time for you to bloom again. And that bloom was gonna be Daisy. So um, our Daisy is now 10 and she's a joy to us as is her 14 year old sister. The encouragement that I would give to any woman going through loss, especially the loss of a child and um, even infertility and miscarriage and uh, all that goes with it is that um, God, although he's seemingly silent, He places people around you for such a time as this. And let the body of Christ help you. Let them minister to you. Find another woman who has walked this road before you and let her minister to you. That's what we're for. That's what the body of Christ is for. And then finally, go back to what you've always known to be true about God and hold on to that. Um, As you turn to Him and let Him begin to heal you, That's where the healing starts. My name is Jenna Sturratt
6: and this is my story. We were blessed to get pregnant about a year after we got married and within three years we had three precious little girls. In what seemed like the blink of an eye, I went from being newlywed to nursing, global missions trips to trips to the playground, wearing nice clothes and fine dining to cooking on a budget and getting spit up on multiple times a day. It seemed like my wife, my life went from adventurous and purposeful to a screeching and domestic cult. Though I knew the Lord had a great purpose for me in raising my girls to love and serve Him, I still felt like something was missing. After seeking God to fill that holy discontent, He showed me that He could fulfill His calling on my life through the avenue of being a mom. And though I'm still in the throes of parenting young children, He has helped me to learn how to cherish and enjoy almost every moment. If you're a mom of young children feeling stressed and less than purposeful, my words of encouragement to you are, first of all, try to make the mundane meaningful. Allow seemingly insignificant moments like diaper changes, bedtimes, car rides. Turn them into opportunities to where you are speaking scripture over your children, encouraging them, praying for them. Luke 16.10 says, when we're faithful in small things, we can be trusted with bigger things. And these seemingly small moments are actually laying a foundation for the future. You can teach your kids about loving others by being kind to a lonely neighbor. You can show them how to serve by taking them to a nursing home or pulling in your neighbor's trash bins from the curb. You can turn a playground into a mission field by being prayerfully bold and talking to the mom who's there all by herself. You never know, it could be her only conversation with someone over the age of three that day. Or better yet, it could be a divine appointment. The second thing I would say to encourage you is to just try to laugh more. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. These days are fleeting. Don't take parenting so seriously that you miss the hidden joys. When you're landing in an airplane and your kids throw up all over you, or they spill something on their shirt right before you're about to walk out the door, or pour Cheerios all over the floor right after you've cleaned it for the seventh time that day, just try to laugh. Better yet, find a couple of women that you are in your same season of life, that you can share these awful and hilarious moments with and
1: laugh together. Hello, my name is Kathy Roseborough, and this is my story. On May 11th, 2005, my life changed in a way I never dreamed possible. My son, a law school student, revealed to me that he was gay. As we stood facing each other, a landslide of emotions washed over me. Grief, shame, and fear, but I felt God whispering to me to love Him, to accept Him, and to affirm Him. As tears flowed from both of our eyes, I knew that I was being called to love at a depth I had never been to before. And as I looked in His eyes, I realized He was as scared as I was. Where would we go from here? What would our relationship be like now? would I still accept him as my son? The days and weeks ahead were hard. I had grieving to do, but I had learning to do. So I took a deep breath. I found some books and some other people who were in the same place I was. And I discovered my if onlys were very normal for this place. I also discovered that I was a member of a club I didn't ask to join. But God knew, and he ministered to me for the next several years on the extreme love he has for me and my son, just how wide, high, deep, and long it really, really is. And today my son and I have a deep, loving, and open relationship. My encouragement this Mother's Day is, no matter where you find yourself, first, Don't blame yourself. And second, don't give up on God. He hasn't forsaken you or your child, his child. In Romans 8, Paul tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God.
7: Hi, my name is Rebecca Leninger, and this is my story. A couple of years ago, my husband Aaron and I decided that it was time to expand our family and we were elated when I got pregnant relatively easily and quickly. We felt so blessed and we started dreaming immediately about our family and how our lives were going to change. We kept our news private at first, but after we first heard that heartbeat, we planned a big party and announced it to all of our friends and family um, with balloons and celebration. And only two weeks later, we got the devastating news that our precious baby had passed away. There was no cause that they could give us and we were obviously um, devastated to hear that. A miscarriage is something I knew logically was possible, but I there was no way I could have prepared myself emotionally for what that was gonna be like. I was scared, I had to have surgery for the first time, and I just felt alone. I felt confused and I didn't know what it meant moving forward. And I also felt like a mom already, but I wasn't, and the world would never see it that way. And you know, I didn't feel like I could go back to being my old self, but I hadn't really ventured into this new world either. Um, after a few months and after my body was healthy, Erin and I got pregnant again, this time feeling even more cautious and nervous, but obviously excited to move out of that negative season into an excited, hopeful one again. Once I was almost at the end of my first trimester, we decided that telling our friends and family was, was appropriate again, and we made a big announcement, only to find out a week later that this baby hadn't made it either. We were in shock. Another surgery, another baby in heaven, another devastating blow to the family that we were dreaming about. It was awful. After my body had healed for a second time, I got pregnant again had a third miscarriage, and then began even struggling to conceive it all. I remember questioning God so many times, wondering why we were being punished when other people and other families seemed to get pregnant so easily and seemed to expand their families without any trouble at all. I remember being in crowds and feeling almost mocked by the pregnant bellies everywhere. I could pick them out of any circle that I was in. I remember even hearing reality stars, unwed, like Snooki, getting pregnant and feeling angry and, and questioning, really God, really you want those people to be mothers and not me, and you're depriving us of this good and perfect gift. I really struggled with my own identity. I struggled which group, you know, with women, a lot of times we flock in groups. You have the single girls that go out and you have women that are married but free and and, and I didn't fit anywhere. I wasn't a mom with kids, but I wasn't in these other groups either. Not only was I mourning my babies, but I was mourning my community, and I felt like an outsider. It was a really rough patch, but my word of encouragement for women in my situation would be twofold. First of all, don't allow the enemy to steal your community when you're in the midst of hard things. Feeling isolated just compounded my situation and made my trials harder. It was only when I started being vulnerable and finding other women who had traveled the same journey that I did, that I felt like God could really begin to heal my heart. And secondly, just know that God has not abandoned you. I'm now 35 weeks pregnant with a miracle baby boy, and I know the Lord has blessed us with this gift. First Samuel 1.27 says, For this child, I prayed, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. I will never look back on that season and feel grateful for the pain or loss that we experienced, but I already see the blessings that the Lord has brought out of the darkness. I have a fantastic new community of women that have struggled with growing their families, and I have a new testimony for God's faithfulness in my life. He heard my cries, and he responded. He responded with the exact child at the exact time that he had planned for us. And now for eternity, we have three extra rooms in our heavenly mansion.
2: Wow. Would you give a hand to these ladies? Some of them are here among you right now. Powerful stories from a wide range of experience. Just thought I'd give you one postscript on that. Um, Jenna is my daughter in law, and of course, she encouraged, her. part of her encouraging words were to not take yourself too seriously and to learn to laugh. She has a five-year-old who she was correcting this week, and she had been practicing the talk, and the five-year-old had heard the talk. She looked up at mom and she said, Mom, don't take yourself so seriously. You need to learn to laugh. (laughs) As I close, uh, what I would like to do is... um, I'd just like to take some words to that second blog, and I've added some of my own. And here's what I'd like to say to you who are gathered today. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day, and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoption, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. And to those who are foster moms and mentor moms and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who became birth mothers, by bravely placing your child forever into the arms of another, we see you. You are not forgotten. And to those whose difficult circumstances resulted in abortion, we stand as a reflection of our Father with open arms of forgiveness and grace and love. And to those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you today. To those who have disappointment and heartache and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who, like my wife, Debbie, lost their mother this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. And to those who live through driving tests and medical tests and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. And to those who will have emptier nests in the coming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. (laughs) And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, And we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Happy Mother's Day. And now, I'd like you all to remain seated (laughs) while I pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, this wonderful day that we set aside to Um, Just reflect and to encourage. We thank you for the women among us who um, lead us so courageously. And uh, God, we thank you for your word that says that our words are to be words of encouragement. And I hope that has been the case today. I I pray that you would take your words and the words that were spoken um, by so many uh, brave uh, ladies today and make them encouragement. Let them take root. In hearts. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come in these moments and just guide us and direct us, challenge us, lead us, comfort us where it's needed. We ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.